0: All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Debbie Osborne. Debbie, how you doing? Doing fine. And you? Doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Uh, okay. Well, I, um, am a, I have career ADD. So I started out as a social worker, uh, burned out, went to law school. I've been a lawyer ever since, but I stayed involved with my passion, which was being a social worker, working with kids. And so I um, work with youth serving organizations um, as a volunteer and as a board member, but also in my legal practice. And then um, along the way, I was a foster parent and a step. Parent and um, never had biological kids, but I've collected seven kids and ten grandkids. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, what do you like to do for fun nowadays?
1: Oh uh, well, before before COVID, I love to travel, and um, that's uh, I still do some traveling. It's it's kind of uh, very limited now because of the pandemic. But, um, the rest of the time, I just, I love to read and, um, hang out with my husband and, um, walk the dogs.
0: Awesome. I love it. Simple life. So pleasant.
1: So yeah, we're, it, it is nice. And we have enough kids to live around us that we're able to spend a lot of time with them, especially around the holidays. We do a lot of uh, family things together. So, you know, that's always nice, just spending time building the relationships.
0: Exactly. I feel like those simple things are the most important, right? And it's also...
1: They're, they're the building blocks, yes.
0: Yep, and easy to overlook. Well, awesome. Let's talk a little bit more about your motivation and what gets you up and keeps you going every day.
1: So, um, you know, I think it's um, the young people that I get to work with. Um, I, My husband and I, I say we love to travel and we do, but we've always had a, a group of kids that um, teenagers that we take with us. Um, we, we traveled a lot with our kids and then, um, I was, uh, I married late in life and I was single for a number of years. So I'm unusually close to my five nieces and nephews. So there was always, um, someone we could pack up and take with us on whatever our various trips are. And, um, we just got back from a um, 10 days at Disney World with one of my kids and, uh, and her family. Um, or, as I like to point out, my grandchildren and their domestic staff. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> as grandparents, we keep our priorities straight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, tell us about your book. And the experience of raising foster kids and being a step-parent, you said?
1: Yes, being a step-parent. Um, the name of my book is called Raising Other People's Children. Because since I've never had uh, kids of my own, that's what I've done. I've raised other people's children. And it started out as, um, or I started out as a single foster parent. I've, I've done a variety of um, foster parenting Um, started out working as an emergency foster placement and then a short-term and respite placement. And then I had a couple of long-term placements and those, um, those girls, uh, they lived with me at different times. They're not related to each other, but, but they have become part of the family. And so then about 15 years ago, I fell in love with a man with five kids realized that there's a lot of similarities between what I had learned in foster parenting and what I needed to know for step parenting. And so um, I started writing down some of the things that I had learned and some of the principles. And um, a, a friend who um, had written a book kept nagging me <laughs> until finally I um, got the book written. And that was a uh, uh, an early lockdown project, I guess you could call it. And um, so that's uh, just uh, found that experience. Um, It's been very good for me and to be able to explain to people what I learned as a foster parent.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I love that. Tell us a bit more about some of the lessons you learned, like into the specifics and the nitty gritty of it.
1: Parents' kids um, obviously had uh, trauma in their lives, which is why they ended up in foster care. And as, as parents, of course, we like to think that, of course, we're a better match with our spouse than the previous spouse. And we want everyone to, to um, love us more. And we tend to think that we can come in and just um, replace the, the um, biological parent and make everything all wonderful. And um, we really can't, uh, from the kid's point of view, we are not supposed to be there. Um, and I, I learned this early on, and, and I, in the, the first part of my book, I tell a story about um, our youngest child, mine, my, husband, my youngest stepson, my husband's youngest child. Um, his um, mother asked for custody, and we were, uh, my husband and I were talking to our son, just trying to figure out, Um, what he wanted and he of course wasn't going to say anything that sounded like he was taking sides and so my husband said well let me ask it this way if if you had a magic wand um, what would your life look like and our son he did not hesitate at all he said well if I had a magic wand dad you and mom would be back together And then he paused and I saw this look go over his face. He he realized what he said. He looked to me and said, no insult, Debbie, you you and the dogs would be right next door. And (laughs) (laughs) so fortunately by then I knew that it wasn't about me, but he and I were and still are very close. We had bonded very early on, but I understood it's just not the way the world is supposed to work from a kid's perspective. They're supposed to have an intact biological family and anything else is second best and, and plan B. Um, And we have to accept that and, and recognize that we can never completely replace the biological parents. And that um, so, you know, what flows from that is that, that we have to, understand when we get overlooked on Mother's Day or birthday or whatever, and, and that's okay. We're making a, a one-way commitment um, to our families and, and to these kids. And we have to be willing, it's, it's heavy lifting, but we have to be willing to do that in, in order to, to do the job. Um, and then I end with, um, you know, fortunately um, being somebody else's plan B can be pretty wonderful. You can still have wonderful relationships um, just as long as you understand Um, it's, it's never going to be perfect, but that's okay. Imperfect is, is fine too.
0: Yeah, there we go. Tell us a little bit more about realizing that it's not how it's supposed to be in the kid's eyes. So you have accepted that now, how do you go about being in relationship with that child without trying to replace the, uh, the other parent?
1: The other parent. Well, first thing you, you realize is our job is to help them have as good a relationship with their parents as they can. And, and if that means taking second place from time to time, then that's just the way it is. Um, I spent a lot of time as a foster parent, uh, driving kids back and forth to meetings. I spent a lot of time, um, it, eating by myself in restaurants while kids was were having um, dinner with their parents. And that was just part of what I needed to do for them um, to, to have whatever kind of relationship that they could have with their parents. And um, sure, sometimes I felt like a, just a, a glorified chauffeur, but that's, um, it, it just goes with the territory and, and you have to be willing to do that. So um, that's, that's part of, of what from understanding that from the kid's point of view, they, they want a relationship with their biological parents. And that is the most important thing to them. And then our role is, is not as a, a substitute parent, but more of a mentor. And, um, uh, you know, the, the adult, the, the, uh, the guide, um, I talk a lot. I actually have an ebook about um, how to be the mentor, and if you look at, at a lot of the tales, a lot of great stories, uh, they all have involve a, a, a hero going on a quest to, to um, defeat a villain, and, and with the help of a wise mentor. There, there's a lot of variations on that story, but, but they all have. Um, those those three things well we're we think in stories and our kids think in stories it just comes natural to us and so our kids um think of their lives in terms of those stories that that they have spent their lives learning and of course they're always the hero in their story and um they are not going to cast their parents as the villain that they just aren't um so that leaves the role for us is we're either the villain or the mentor. And um, we have to, if we want to be the mentor instead of the villain, we have to act like the mentor or the wise guide. And, um, and, you know, sometimes the kids will cast us as the villain and there's nothing we can do about it because every story has to have a villain. And, um, you know, kids have agency and they make their own decisions. Um, but to the extent that we can't have any influence we have to we have to act like the guys in the stories you know we have to act like Dumbledore or um uh, Gandalf in in the Lord of the Rings or any of any of those folks that we know about we have to be you know wise and self-sacrificing and caring and um and providing structure and you know uh not letting them get away with whatever they want to get away with. We're, we're not a friend. We, we are a uh, mentor and an authority figure.
0: There we go. I love it. Well, tell us a a bit more about your dreams, goals, vision for your life, your family's life, but also the books and your message to the world.
1: Well, I think the, um, the, the, the books and my message are, um, like I said, that, that, that we're not supposed—we're not the people who are supposed to be in our kids' lives if we are foster parents or step parents. Um, but that's okay. That being a Plan B can be pretty wonderful, and uh, we should—we should never um, pass up that opportunity to be someone's Plan B or to be a, a, a Plan B parent in a child's life. And um, so I—I I think if I could. Could get that across and help folks understand that um, that when we go into this raising other people's kids, it, it's it's not all sunshine and roses and uniforms. Um, we are dealing with kids who've suffered trauma. Um, obviously, foster kids have suffered some sort of trauma uh, by having been taken out of their family. Um, but even even um, what we call ordinary. Uh, Step parents, um, you know, kids have suffered the loss of a parent through divorce or um, uh, death, and that's the only reason we're in their lives is because they have lost that other parent, um, generally through divorce. And I, I think we shouldn't normalize that as much as we do. We, we think, oh, the kids will be fine and they're resilient, and, and kids are resilient, but it's still a loss, and there's still some level of trauma there. So when we come into their lives and we sort of join their history, um, we we are not, like, like I keep saying, we're, we're not the people we're supposed to be there, but but that's okay. We can still um, have a wonderful relationship with them um, if, if we don't push it, if we let the relationship grow naturally, if we're willing to um, sacrifice and do the heavy lifting and, um, and if they're willing to um, be a part of that relationship. Sometimes they're not. You know, Sometimes we just have to set boundaries. I, um, some of my kids in the past, I've had to say, I, I love you, I care about you, um, but I, I, I can't go here with you, can't give you any more money, can't um, support you in these decisions. So um, I'll be here when you come back. And um, so boundaries are important. Um, all healthy relationships have boundaries. And so, uh, there's just a lot of things that, that we need to do with our kids. And I think that's the message that I, I would love to get across is that, um, it, it's, it's not perfect and it's, it's, uh, not the way the world is supposed to work, but it can be pretty wonderful
0: anyway. If there were one or two people that you could meet right now and they would It could be a specific person or a type of person. They'd really help you take the next step towards reaching as many people with that message as possible. Who would they be and how would they do it?
1: Well, I think the first person would be someone who could um, help me control my schedule because I've always joked what I really need is a day stretcher. Um, There's so many possibilities and so many things I could do if I um, had time to to talk to all the people, go to all the seminars, go to all the conferences, and uh, do all the writing um, that that I um, need to do. Um, and then the the um, other person would be just um, someone who uh, loves kids as much as I do and understands the passion that drives you to keep working with them, e- even when they're annoying and cranky and the aliens have kidnapped their brains and you don't know when they're going to bring them back. (laughs) All, all of those things that you get with kids.
0: There we go. I love it. Have you ever read the book? Who, not how?
1: Uh, No, I've I've not. You should check that. I'll put that on my list.
0: Yeah. It's a really great book. And I think it'll help you with your schedule a little bit. Okay. And yeah, it'll help you focus on those impact activities as well as getting all of the rest done too.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Awesome. Well, if there were one or two things that everyday people could do to really help you accomplish your highest priority dream, how would they do it? Well,
1: I think there's a lot that everyday people can do to help foster parents and step parents, um, more so foster parents because because they are more visible. Um, But just being part of that um, safety net, that network. Um, when I was a single foster parent, I, I could not have done it without my friends who were willing to, you know, pick up my daughter at school on days that I was in court, or um, in in one situation, I, um, I was out of town for a court hearing, and and uh, one of my friends, you know, took my daughter to the emergency room because she had what what ended up being um, uh, gallbladder surgery. So. Um, Just being part of that safety net and just asking and saying, what can I do? What do you need? Um, Sending over a pizza gift certificate every once in a while. Just something small and tangible um, to let those foster parents know that that they're not in it all completely by themselves.
0: There we go. I love it. Community is such a big thing when you're tackling anything of significance. So I'm right there with you. Awesome well let's jump into our thriving three now First question is What's your favorite book movie or podcast Pick one
1: Um, Favorite book And movie has to be The Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, Mm. By J.R.R. Tolkien I discovered that when I was in college And um, have read it um, Multiple times Since then
0: There we go I've actually never read the series But I have seen the movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's very different. The movies managed to get the spirit of the book. Um, but there's a lot in the book that, of course, didn't make it into the movies.
0: Yeah. You know, I, when I was uh, younger, I'm still a young person. <laughs> but when I was younger, yeah, of <laughs> I was like, what type of movie can't get everything that's in the book? I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. But no. now having read more books I'm like ah I see
1: (laughs) it's always very very different
0: Mm -hmm. especially when you're a a really big fan of the books and you like know it down to the details and you're like no in this scene this was supposed to happen and he was supposed to be like this
1: (laughs) that's right that's right
0: (laughs) awesome well what's one way you like to take care of yourself
1: oh um travel is just uh it 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 feeds my spirit in a lot of different ways, but I I learn about the world. I learn about other people. Um, I have, I just learned through a lot of different experiences. Um, it stretches my horizons in ways that nothing else quite does.
0: There we go. I love it. And what is one action step that you can take right now to really start to get more control of your schedule so that you can do more of the significant, meaningful things that you want to do?
1: Um, well, obviously read who, not how. <laughs> <laughs> go. there we go. Um, uh, Start, start putting that uh, in, into practice. And then um, the, I can't remember the guy who started the getting things done um, series. I need to go back in our book and, and method. Um, I've, I've, halfway implemented that and has really been wonderful. So I need to go back and, um, and refine that and tweak it.
0: There we go. Well, I have two more questions for you. The first I wanna ask is, uh, how has consistency played a part in your life. Talk to us about the importance of it and how you maintain it. And also for those people out there who are trying to become more consistent in their life, how can they be more consistent?
1: Well, consistency takes a lot of um, takes a lot of self discipline, and um, it, it. I learned it in the context of uh, parenting kids, and uh, having to be consistent with them and and make sure that the. The structure was always the same and the rules were always the same and the penalties were were always proportionate to, to the rule violations. Um, so one of the, the biggest lessons that I ever learned was um, to be very careful about what rules you set up and what, what consequences you set up um, because they have to be um, things that you that you're willing to do. Um, kids will push you, and they they will push you to the logical extreme. So, uh, don't don't promise it, um, or threaten it. Th- those are sort of the flip side of the same coin. Um, but don't promise it unless you're willing to do it. And that's been one of the biggest lessons for consistency is. Just be careful what promises you make, because um, you will have to follow through on them at the most inconvenient time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let your yes be yes and your no be no.
1: Yes, exactly. Love and it. it always sounds better when you make the promises than it does later when you have to follow through.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely but especially with kids it's such a um oh, yeah. like one promise that you don't follow through on can really change the course of like their whole mindset development and actions and life honestly until they get right. older and have the opportunity to like work through it on their own right.
1: well it erodes trust and and if they can't count on you and and can't trust you um then there's not really a foundation for a relationship. And, and, you know, um, I'm not the hip, cool adult that I always swore I was going to be. (laughs) And and that's okay, too. Um, You know, dull and boring consistency has a lot of value in relationships.
0: It does. It does for sure. Well, our last question requires a bit of pretext. So you know how people walk around on the planet with a fixed mindset? They're not willing to accept help, and they're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they live their whole life like that. Sometimes they die like that, unfortunately. Other times, they'll have a switch to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes them to make that switch?
1: Oh, um, getting tired of, of being in the pain that they're in. Um, a, a friend of mine and and my husband has said people don't change until the pain of where they are is worse than the pain of making the change. And I think that that sounds very negative, but I think it's actually very true. Um, you know, as long as we're mildly uncomfortable, there's not enough of a catalyst um, to go through and make changes because changes are they're more than mildly uncomfortable. They're, they're, they can be extremely painful. And uh, sometimes, most of the time we're just not willing to go through that pain unless we're trying to avoid something worse, which is the the pain of where we are.
0: Mm. I love that. And I guess a follow-up question is everybody's pain tolerance it's kind of different. So when it comes to making changes for the better, how can we uh, create an environment that facilitates people making that switch rather than staying where they are?
1: Well, I think a lot of times um, it, it has to come through a lot of self-awareness and to understand that a lot of the pain of where we are is, is unnecessary. And that we really don't have to keep um, going through these things that we're putting ourselves through, and um, that uh, uh, and and that comes with uh, again a lot of self awareness, a lot of uh, teaching, a lot of friendships, um, and then many times we have to have we have to find the secure relationships that give us enough of a enough of a steadiness enough of a solid foundation um to go out and experiment um it's it's hard to change things and hard to find your way when there's nowhere to come back to but as long as we can can find and and have a relationship and this is i i think foster parents and step parents this is one of the things we can provide to kids is is a place for them to come back to. Um if they go out and they try something and it doesn't work, um you know within reason, of course, with, within healthy boundaries, but um there needs to be a place that they can come back to and regroup and try again.
0: Thanks. That like I don't know why, but that like tugged at my heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact that so many people just don't have a place to come back to.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's very hard. Our society is so fragmented. And that's been one of the, the terrible things about the lockdown is um, we, we, you know, there's a reason solitary confinement is, is frowned upon in the Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are designed to have relationships with each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A place to come back to. Dang, it might have to be the uh, it's going to be I think the title of this podcast is gonna be raising other people's <laughs> kids and creating a place for people to come back to Come back
1: to. Yeah.
0: I like that. Awesome. Well, Debbie, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off?
1: No, I, I just appreciate the opportunity. I mean, this is one of my passions and I've been very fortunate and that I've been able to, to put it into effect and in, in a volunteer practice and a personal practice and in my legal practice.
0: There we go. I love it. Debbie, tell us the name of your book one more time.
1: Raising Other People's
0: Children. Raising Other People's Children. If you guys are listening to this and you loved what Debbie had to say, you really vibe with what she's saying and her message, and you know, some people who are raising other people's children, or that happens to be you make sure to buy the book, spread the message, connect with Debbie on this because she is passionate about it. And she would love to talk to you about it. I'm sure. Right, Debbie.
1: That's it. And you can get all the information at raisingotherpeople'schildren.com.
0: There we go. Well, Debbie, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Guys, send this podcast to one to three people that you know need to hear this message. As we always ask, shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.